Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello everyone and welcome to the post-season Elysium for Rollcast Season 2 Adelaide by Night. My name is Chris Bond, I'm the storyteller and I am joined by Sean, Ellen and Phil. Hello! Hi! Hello friends. Um, In this episode we are going to be talking about your feelings about the game. Um, You've all just listened to the final episode, so you've uh, listened to it very Mm. recently, so you have some thoughts and some feelings. If you haven't, (laughs) if you haven't, go back and watch it. I've got a lot of feelings. If you're a listener listening to this episode right now, go back and listen to Season 2. We will (laughs) We'll be going into spoiler territory. Um, We're also going to be talking about um, our favourite moments as players and as storytellers. You, uh, as players, Ellen, Sean and Phil, you have some questions for me, no doubt, and I'll be answering some Some of them. them. Mm. How could you be so cruel? Uh, We'll also be answering some some questions from the audience. Um, You, as listeners, have submitted some questions, so we will be answering them. Some of them are very complicated and very deep. Some of them are less so. Uh, <laughs> you, you, you're good. We appreciate <laughs> both of those. Yes, uh, we do. Thank you. For sure. uh, we also have some uh, exciting stuff coming up, so uh, sure we'll be able to talk about some of that at the end of this episode. So stay tuned. Yes. Um, some of ours are complicated, as some of ours are more simple. That's yes. right. Yes, yes absolutely. That's very true. Um, but here we are at the end of season two of Adelaide by Night. Rodcast, Vampire the Masquerade. How are we, how are we all feeling? Well, well feeling feels, feels a is lot. the key. <laughs> yeah, feels is the key word there. Yeah, we we did ourselves just listen to the final episode. So we had, yeah. a, we had a little watch party. Yeah, yeah we certainly a listen did. Party. Listen yeah. party. Yeah, yeah. A little listen party. Literally, we were all lying down or lounging. Phil yeah, was on my bed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I have a lot of feelings about this season of Rollercast. It was really fucked um, in a good way, but it was very, um, uh, Phil, you pointed out in our very last episode, there's a lot of philosophy. I mean, philosophy kind of runs rampant through mm. Vampire, or at least in the characters in, in that we- In my game. Yeah. 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 I, I, I don't know what it's like as a whole, but it seems like it's a game where you want to 
<laughs> sink your teeth. Yes. <laughs> and I mean, like, it's not like those <laughs> out of the way. It's not like those conversations turned up in cyberpunk. You know what I mean? It's mm. going, oh, I shoot him in the dead. It's fine. Let's move well, on. Because heist. I feel like the the punks are very uh, straight shooters. Like yeah. they they have hey. a thing. Hey, they have a thing, and they're going for it. <laughs> it's less about soul and more about purpose. They're mm-hmm. they're driven. They've got a goal, and they're they're gunning for it. Um, sure. Whereas, yeah. I'm, yeah. Yeah. Like the vampires. It's like why why <laughs> why why are we here yeah. and and what what meaning is there to un un life you and know? the whole thing about losing like your humanity is a, something you can explore in cyberpunk through say cyber psychosis mm. but it's such like a fundamental part of vampire so I've been told because yeah. this is literally the first time <laughs> we've all played it and like that that's the thing that's been hardest for me to reconcile which is me going hmm. I can never play like that again. No, because yeah. now I now I know. Well, things. I can because I'm a dumbass. So <laughs> any anything I learned about the world of darkness, I've immediately forgotten. So like listening What's to this, sombra? yeah, like listening to this podcast has been a bit of a treat because I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't remember that. Don't remember any of that. Don't remember that. So let's jump right to the end. Uh, Keen yeah. listeners will have heard Ellen a little bit tearful at the end. Which yeah. is a new, oh, a new thing entirely. <laughs> Ellen, you had a pretty strong emotional reaction to your first game of Vampire the Masquerade. Yeah. How are you feeling now? I mean, better because it's over. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, six months removed. How are you doing? Can finally breathe again. Yeah. Um, Did you have a good time? I had a great time. And I, like, going back, I was just like, wow, this is really masterful. And it is kind of like lightning in a bottle because it's like the closest you can or role-playing games are like the closest you can get to kind of method acting like the things I notice is all of those really heavy reveals and the twists and the turns yeah we manage to like react in character sometimes as well but a lot of the times it's just us going oh "Oh my shit yeah (laughs) Yeah. either horror or fear or disgust or or humor you know or yeah or finding the humor in it like they're all very visceral reactions because of the atmosphere that you built up and I guess like that was a lot of my feelings through playing this game it's like it's you are never sure of anything and that's you're never sure of your party you're never sure of anyone's intentions you're never sure of what exists outside of your world and how much of you know about the masquerade do you even know as a player and so it was nice to have kind of operating in darkness because I'm not even trying for these puns. No, but (laughs) it writes itself. (laughs) Yeah. It writes itself. But do you know what I mean? Because you're trying to and and that's why um investigation really interesting because we're just trying to scrabble for any kind of thing that we can use to further understand. It's really interesting listening back to ourselves try and put things together after after my dumbass still doesn't get it. And complaining at one point, being like so much investigation. It's like you built investigative like characters. That's what you wanted. I gave you what you wanted. Um, Yes, but it's if we're finding it tough to live through. <laughs> yeah, but I, I liked that because it's just like it is a game where you are never sure of anything. Mm. You know, it made me a bit nervous to, to show off what a dumbass I am, but it also really played into that of like we're all operating and even if you are very sure of something, there's immediately going to be something around the corner that's going to mm, take that security away from you. So, One of the big yeah. things that I'm influenced by, firstly, uh, the Cthulhu mythos is this yeah. idea of you're never able to fully grasp the truth. 
Yes. Um, or that if you do, it drives it you mad. It breaks your mind. Um, yeah. Yes, absolutely. And also, uh, one of the people I looked up to in the role-playing community is uh, Justin uh, uh, Chili. Um, apologies if I butcher your name. I've only read it. I've never said it. Um, but Justin has a... He's one of the one of the writers. Uh, he was a lead writer of Vampire the Rec Room, which I'm a big fan of. And for him, a lot of it was about creating your own world and creating your own stories and not being bound necessarily to canon. Um so that you can tell reflexive stories. Um, and that's what I wanted to do for you three, was to create not just a world where you weren't sure of things, but where you weren't sure of things that would, in in uh, service of your characters and character growth, right? Um, so uh, putting things in faith, putting things in police, putting things in uh, an mind, organized, yeah. yeah. Like all of those things are deliberately reactive in a way um, where you aren't sure of the truth, Deliberately so for for character growth. Yeah, I mean, yeah. For Vincent relies on these on these structures. It was a very strong hook for me to build the character around that he was very invested in the Camarilla and the organization at hand, and then to have that sort of crumble around him or not be there when he wants to lean on it. Yeah, it feels very reactive to the character I put to you, yeah. and then what was reflected yeah. back to me in the storytelling is what made it satisfying to mm. play. They all yeah. get betrayed. Yeah, by, to, a, to a degree by the thing that they kind of hold most dearly yeah. which is kind of nice yeah uh, in true. a horrifying way but Sub- subverted <laughs> yes. yes yeah, yeah. yeah. Sean what about you yeah for me it was really interesting because like the whole reason I created Kevin was one I'm not a true blue Aussie bloke and, and, and two what do you mean oh I don't know what you mean love <laughs> um, and the other thing is I'm just I don't play investigative like that it's literally me going here you go do something you're not fucking great at. Yeah. Let, let's let's see if you swim or not. And so and that's especially the gift of coming into a role playing game that like you benefit uh, story wise from not knowing anything. That's the whole goddamn point. Mm. So to like go, oh, I literally have been barred from the majority of the book. I'm meant to go in blind. I don't need to prepare for not knowing what I don't know. So mm. it's just a, a, a amount of freedom and fun that like came into that. And also just to play a character that's really just goddamn fun. You talk about subversion. That was the thing you talked about vampire. And I thought, what would it be like if like, Crocodile Dundee or, <laughs> or Russell, or Russell Crowe. You're revealing yeah. your inspiration. Yeah. Became a, it's like a Russell Crowe, yeah. which is like a vampire. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. And I think this is something that um, vampire does really well is that those are all human. People. Mm. Those are all um, uh, uh, reflections of human characteristics. Um, like the 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 Ocker Australian is a is a performance of what Australians are, and I don't see that performed in media. I I am part of a LARP group that had a real kick recently that they were like, we want to play characters all from England. I'm like, no, we're Australian. No one else is going to tell Australian stories yeah. and tell Australian perspectives. Let's play Australian characters, maybe. Yeah. Um, and Especially because so anyone else's Australian accents are going to be shite. Well, and, but also, no one will understand what it is to be Australian, and I think that's a fundamentally unique perspective to take on a vampire character. So mm. I was really excited uh, when you made Kevin. I was and super Kevins excited. exist. Like, yes. They, oh, yeah, they yeah. totally exist. Yes. Oh, yeah, for exactly. sure. Ke- Kevin's maybe sort of a only a slight exaggeration I, I would say he's maybe like oh. in terms of him being a cop and he feels a little bit like a, a TV character but not an outlandish one I mean not no, even it's very to me mar- <laughs> I know a lot of a re- I, I, I mean know- that's just me as a, a British person then <laughs> I know a so lot obviously of middle aged blokes well there you go I wasn't thinking about his personality I think that's spot on Bang definitely on. but just him being like a badass 
like oh yeah super and, cop. It's, and it's totally you know, that, like that's that, the bit oh, i yeah, think yeah. Like slightly blown out. nonchalant action hero yeah, 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 type yeah, guy yeah. vibe which is I'll, I'll put a word on it it's punk which mm. is what yes. exists in vampire the masquerade is gothic punk yes. and so you have these character archetypes and you extend them they aren't extended in my games i tried to keep it that they aren't extended past reality yeah. like they aren't aren't inhuman but they are definitely uh logical dark reflections of humanity which i think is what the world of darkness serves yeah. i yeah. think like we keep saying we have not played the game you have but from what we explored through this it's just like you can't have vampires without humans no that's and, right that's and right. dark reflection i think is absolutely right because it's a perversion of of something and it's, it's not just you know tragic ingenues who get bitten by a vampire and spend mm. all day lounging around in a in a robe like it's kevin's who get turned and yeah. you know people on the fringe and anyone could be a vampire if they are embraced fuck yeah start as human because the whole point of vampire you'll get to inhuman yes. like yes. you will get yeah. there yeah. it's fine it's, so all world of darkness games i've played a little bit more world of darkness and they all have this central tension about holding on to something that's slipping away so like changing has mundanity you've been taken away to the fey and when you come back you have a look into the, the fantastical and it slowly drains away from you and vampires are trying to hold on to their humanity in a wraith trying to hold on to your sanity mm. and, and, and they all have that central tension yeah and so you're right you have to start with the human archetype and then desperately and then get to away. hold on to it yeah. during yeah. the game yeah and you'll you'll find players are sometimes quite cavalier about that in the beginning and then they realise how much that costs them later on because yeah. it has a system cost as well which I yeah. think is really important for systems to marry into their settings um, Phil uh, were any any exciting moments for you any big moments that stood out to you as a favourite moment there's, maybe there's an absolutely <laughs> huge sequence for me uh, so you gave me this kind of a bit of a gift essentially in terms of on the acting side of things by giving me the the paranoia right paranoia. which just gave me this extra hook to role play around and I felt like I was really in the character and really embodying it and that was great it was really Game wonderful the derangements paranoia the influences of the Malkavian's haven have clearly rubbed off on you you are not sure who to trust Isabella not knowing who the Sabbat is who and where this bruja emotionally came from. costly and quite tiring, but it's work. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. That's you know you, we say in the theater you you got to leave a bit of yourself on the stage, oh, and yeah. I felt like I was leaving bits of myself all over the microphone. Try doing that as a lot for six hours. Yeah, I know it's crazy. Disgusting. <laughs> yeah. So, but it all culminated in the point where we didn't know what's happening. We go back to my haven. We're super paranoid. We don't know who to trust. Well, I'm super paranoid. Don't know who to trust. We think you're. We think Isabella's haven's compromised. Yeah. We've got this crazy Malkavian with you think us. I'm Who's, like colluding with that's Sam. The, this is what I'm getting getting mm. to. I was I was Phil was absolutely one hundred percent convinced that you, Ellen, Ellen, yes. and Chris had got together before <laughs> the game. <laughs> And that you were part of the Sabat conspiracy and that was going to be the big Ellen, reveal. I was literally laying awake last night <laughs> thinking, I bet she's playing something with Chris. She's playing something with Chris. She's going she's gonna to fuck us all. You're such she's going to fuck us you're all. You're such a paranoid boy. But it would be so good. What? <laughs> what? Beware the pious. <laughs> Is that your kind of thinking? Yes. Uh, and then you just fist bumped. Yeah. <laughs> And I was, <laughs> I was a hundred percent convinced that was what's going to happen. It I was, was like, "It's genius," but I hate Phil, it. Phil, yeah. I love it. Can could, you? Could you still? I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. Whoa. I mean, sure. Yeah. We could be playing just a long con, <laughs> <laughs> super long con. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that was huge for me because I was genuinely like, 
It Phil affects was, you as a person. Yeah, Phil I, I was, was like, oh my bit, God, they've done this to me. There's a bit where you hear Phil scream and he's a little bit away from the mic because Phil is pacing mm. the room. He's pacing the room mm. back and forth. He did not stay in his seat the entire time. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, so, and it was all part of the atmosphere that you had conjured and that was the point where I think it sank most into me and the role playing. And, and I don't think I've ever done that in a role playing game before. Mm. Get that kind of lost in the moment. I think the best thing about that, at least from my experience, it, when those moments happen to me when I'm role-playing, is that I don't have to think about choices That's as a player. Right, yeah. Yeah. Is that it's all instinct. You're just like, okay, I do this then. I do yeah. this then. I do this then. That, there's no second guessing. You're not trying. You're not in your head. Like when you first start driving. You know, you, you're oh, consciously God, yeah. thinking about yeah. every choice, you know, where the gas pedal is, where the brake pedal is. When you get into it and you've, you know, you're right in the moment, it's just instinct and it mm. just takes over. And it's nice as well because I guess paranoia is something that's very uh, reactive. Mm. So everything aware that you're is happening around you, you're now super aware of it and things that you would just pass off as mm. gameplay or conversation is now something that's against you. And It's, it's like, all part of the grand yeah, conspiracy. Yeah, that was really fucking engaging and uh, uh, difficult to work with because then I was like, not sure what your fucking game oh, was. You, <laughs> can, you can hear it. It's in the episode. It's in the Port Anchor <laughs> Hotel uh, when when Kevin gets up just to, because he's going to scope out the other end by walking to the bathroom and he's, and he's like, his idea is to see if anyone, any eyes following. Yes. And Phil, it's like, oh, where are you going? And I had this pang of shut the fuck up yeah. inside. Like I'm like, I was like, just piss off. Yeah. I'm going to like, I got viscerally annoyed. Yeah. Like, this is gonna be the whole game. Yeah. Why do you have to go at all? There's another door next to that. Safe to say that that's a room we might want to be checking out. Go and have a look, Kevin. Try not to be suspicious and come back as soon as you see anything. Not happy, but I sit down. He kind of shakes it off a bit. He's a, he's a little bit annoyed, but he will just he chalks it up to Vincent gonna Vincent. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you guys, you, you guys aren't gonna like this. Oh. It's not going away. Oh. Good fucking. I God. thought you're just looking for you. You've got some other motive, oh my or God. or not even that. But your own para- You're gonna be so paranoid, like paranoid, that you are gonna completely turn against everyone, and it'll be impossible to reason with you because yes. you're just that paranoid. So it was it was kind of spooky, honestly. In a, in a game where you can't trust anyone to have. You know, anyone that you can trust slowly turn on you or, you know, use your motives against you. I thought or... both of you had someone going on. I'm just a fucking bruiser. We just get angry. <laughs> and, and <laughs> this is exactly it. I think, Sean, it affected you in a way that it didn't affect Phil in that your response just then was what a bruiser would do, which oh, is to get angry. I yeah. am a bruiser. Like, <laughs> I'm not going to be conspiring to do shit. I'll just react in the moment. And if you piss, just... Yeah. I, I, anger, the first port of call. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, do, beautiful. I do feel like our clans are like totally suited to each of us, oh, yeah. which is great. Well, Ellen, you what and do I you were, mean? Ellen, you and I were literally <laughs> discussing earlier, we, we all were, uh, about how you find it uncomfortable when animation style is bad. Mm. And that's exactly it's what it's aesthetic- about. It aesthetically hurts me. <laughs> yes. I take damage. Needs, needs to be beautiful. Um, Sean, what about you? What's What are your favourite moments? Oh, shit. Um, I mean... <laughs> The the easiest one for me is the Taylor reveal. Mm. Um, is is the moment? It was my kind of reactionary moment where the second that you said, "Oh me, I'm Taylor," I got goosebumps and I just like kind of ran cold. I'm like, "Ah, oh, <laughs> I know what happens next," and oh, they me. don't. Yes. Yes. <laughs> my name's Taylor. Lovely to meet you, Taylor. Can I offer my? Oh no 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 no. <laughs> 
fart. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. It's the person. <laughs> what would you like to roll, Sean? Frenzy check? To not shoot him in the goddamn head. Frenzy Bill check. Bill picks it up control. next. And Alan's like, oh, yeah, how are you, Taylor? It's like, oh, oh, oh. I was like, is this where my character dies? Yeah. Because uh, I don't think, I think I'm we going to be able to win this. we were all thinking about that as well. Just like, it was a moment of, oh, fuck, how are we going to contain the beast? How are we going to keep the peace? How are we going to either stop you from trying to kill him or stop everyone in this room trying to kill us? Yeah, because we, we have this dynamic where <sighs> Kevin's like the muscle, right? And yeah. He, he's the one we rely on to like keep us, keep us kind of physically safe. Yeah. Because we're... We're both sort of diplomatic characters, yeah, and yeah. then and then our safety goes off the fucking handle. We're like, uh oh. Yeah, but then it's also like, not only is he the muscle, he's also the baby. In that, oh, that's we're true, meant yeah. to be tasked with <laughs> protecting him. Yeah, essentially, and not by much, mm. which no. is the crazy, which is like yeah. the outlandish thing. It's like, what you're only six months to a year ahead of me. Mm. Yes, um, based on the like the the demo was all about uh, Vincent Meeting. Masters getting uh, be- becoming fledged. released, released, yeah. released. Yeah. yeah, from a fledgling to a neonate. Yes, I got my terminology correct. <laughs> uh, as a uh, Tremere would probably call him bound, and now he is unbound. unbound. <laughs> You could just get a shiver. <laughs> yes, Jamia do love the 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 acting terminology. The tie- oh, no, well, the tying up. Yes, no, I, yeah, I thought that's internal structure. Um, but in, so that's an do. example again of of me. It's not subverting. It's subverting expectations, but it's also revealing a further knowledge. Right, I could have created Taylor to be this awful character, this nightmare antagonist, but by having them come across as a reasonable, presentable character, it changes your dynamic relationship with them and sets up a different sort of conflict one which is internal rather than external yeah it, I, it, I, it, the question is not how do i kill this character is should i kill this character yes mm. Mm. i really like that resolution i thought it was fantastic yeah we're setting up from the beginning it's like this taylor i'm gonna get him i'm gonna kill him and you're like oh gosh this is gonna be a cool confrontation and the actual resolution of it turns into this kind of like kind of bittersweet father-son moment. Mm. It's, I, I thought that was fantastic. And, yeah. and it, it, it comes that thing as well. It's like you both as DMs know that like my, my shit is reveals and like incorporating <laughs> backstory and the, and the stuff that you can like pop in that just like give that kind of, it just buoys up the characters a little bit more, mm. gives you that, that jolt of electricity. Like that shit's great. And so like, because my I had fully accepted the fact that I thought that Taylor was just going to be this presence that was named but never seen. Similar into the demo where Jack says, you know, oh, yeah, Taylor, I know who Taylor is. It doesn't matter. I'm like, oh, okay, it's going to be a, a dismissed thing because the end game is if Taylor meets, if, if Taylor and Kevin meet up, all shit breaks loose. Yeah, yeah and that so derails everything. Yeah. when to drop it in mm. as yeah. well, which becomes like the fun of yes. it. Yes. Yeah. That was a really interesting, uh, from the hotel, the Anarch movement, yeah. the reveal of Taylor, that I just remember the end of that. I, it just—it was this really interesting feeling of everything slipping away, <laughs> or or this cohesion we had as a unit is very fractured, and it, that was the episode where the like you know the hairlines in it seemed to be most apparent to me, like revealing themselves. It wasn't that we were all immediately separated, but just that instance of we've all got our own things that we hold near and dear to us, and and none of us really have any reason to trust each other we mm. just have made this kind of uh, compact out of with necessity. each other yeah yeah and it was just yeah i noticed that too and if you listen in the episode i think i push you to go to the uh 
uh, Ward Z. Yes. I, I noticed that and I knew as a storyteller with, with quite a few years up my belt, um, up my belt, up my sleeve. Well, <laughs> what, under my belt. What happens is everyone says that they're going to go in for the night. Yes. Um, and then I say, um, yeah, I'm happy to drop you off because I was like, well, Kevin wouldn't go to sleep. He mm. would just... Yeah. Why wouldn't why wouldn't you go on? I think yeah. If you've asked to drop him off, he'll drop you off and just go without saying. This is this is the thing. Like Ke- Kevin just pretty much says, "I'm happy to drop you off before I head to Glenside." Heading to Glenside. Sam and Chloe's there. That's the next port of call. Kevin. No time like the present. You have exerted yourself. And, and so that, that's exactly it. Is that the the logical, reasonable action is to call at night. It's it's sort of the Dungeons and Dragons after every rest, have uh, every, rest. after every long fight, rest. long rest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fight, <laughs> long rest. Fight, long yeah. rest. And that's the kind of game system practical. But what it does is it creates shattered narrative. And also, if you'd have gone home as characters individually, you would have reconciled outside, mm-hmm. and then you wouldn't be telling a cohesive story. You would be telling three individual stories. Yes. And at that point, with how far your characters were along, I wasn't totally sold that we could do that just then. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Well, that's nice. I feel I feel smart for yeah, no, oh, absolutely. noticing well, I, the, a, a the lot group. of these things happen intuitively. You yeah. feel sort you know. of looked after when that happens. It's like the storyteller has has you. Don't worry, I got this. I can steer you in the right place. Yeah. yeah. Curiously, mm. Chris, do you have a favourite moment? Well, the I was season? about to ask Ellen, oh. and then um, yeah. well, fuck me, I guess. <laughs> and, and, no, and then absolutely, well, ask me Ellen, that question really. in a second. No, no, yeah, I'm, fuck no. Me, I guess. Oh, 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 yeah, fuck Ellen, I guess. Ah, <laughs> uh, you. Wow. Yeah, Ellen. It's because I piggybacked off yours. That's why I think I yeah. Ellen talked. Yeah. What about you? What do you? Hey, Ellen, do yes. you have a favourite moment? I have a lot of, like, favourite kind of moods and themes with the episode. Uh, like, this is not, like, necessarily a moment, but I really loved reading auras. Yes. I, I don't know if there's a correct way to do that in the world of darkness, but, like, my idea was just, like, I'm just going to try and interpret it the Green way Green is a... Well, traditionally, it's, it's a life colour. The darker it is, the more decay I sense in it. It's kind of like a forest. It's something that is... It's like the the world spinning, so it's the good and the bad, and mm. kind of like the idea to control both. Blues are generally a calming. Light blue is calm. It made I fucking. Would? It made fucking sense. Yeah, I mean that's a question I'll probably ask later. It's yeah, like, ask me that later. Absolutely. Yeah, um, probably finding Sam because for me there were certain elements of Isabel's character that I felt were because I had layered in so many different things, like these deliberately two conflicting things, right? The faith and the unlife, you know, the the beast. Yes. It was quite hard to kind of keep reconciling that and keep trying to do good in this goodless world, you know, try and inspire people. But for what? And what's their reason to go on? And sometimes doing the right thing is fucking everyone over. You know, you try and do the right thing, but it, it just ends up all falling to shit. And um, at the end of the day, you're like a monstrous parasite. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you're it's always like, gonna, it, you yeah. know, all that kind of stuff. And I think going into Ward Z and finding Sam mm-hmm. gave me something to latch on to. Yes. And I think in that that very gothic moment of, you know, the child, the, the childlike nature of Sam and feeling like maybe this was something I could save yep. really did put me on a, a, a track. Yes. Um, I liked how, how that reveal played out, I should say, because it could, it felt like any moment, it was it was like the maiden and the beast, right? You know, you go there and it, there could be every opportunity for it to just smack you down. Or But I really liked that element of Isabel's character paid off. It's kind of like the sense of the leap of faith, right? Mm. Going in unguarded, saying, I'm here for you. 
come to me. Like that, yeah. it, it could have gone either way and I'm really happy it paid off because I was just like, oh, thank God. I didn't just do this character for fucking dumb reasons. No. <laughs> so that's, there's, two, there's two things there. The first is that Ellen um, is playing a character whose morality is conflicted, bound with other characters' morality or mm, humanity. Yes. Staying human means keeping others human. That's a unique, that's a, a character they really deeply wanted in the game because they inherently have coterie cohesion. Yes. They are great characters to have work with uh, a party. Uh, this is why I'm a big fan of clerics in Dungeons and Dragons mm-hmm. who get really involved in the party's morality. Yeah. Because sure, the thief wants to go off and steal stuff or, or whatever, but the cleric who says no to that is actively or, or, or has moral objections to that is engaging with other players in the party. Yeah, we've right? got a D&D party at the moment where everyone's either evil or neutral and it's the one paladin who's holding the party together by a string. Oh, ours is split down the middle. <laughs> we have two good characters and two e- sketchy characters. Oh, yeah, and that's, and yes. it's that evil, uh, sorry, it's that paladin that's, mm. that's keeping the party cohesion together mm. by investing themselves in the group. They're looking after everyone else's morality and by extension their own. So that was a really important thing. And also the thing with Sam, I didn't originally have the character written as a child. Right. Or, or, or childlike. Childlike. Yeah. That came out of, as the game progressed, your character took uh, on like a mothering took on role, more of a mothering role, a kind of like a nun sort of role, yeah. like a, a mother nun yeah. sort of thing, a matron. I wanted to tap into that, mm. um, and that so cool. by the time I had that, I knew what Chloe was going to be, and I know I knew what Sam was going to be. Chloe had to be the opposite of you. She needed to be old and holding down something, whereas you were playing the inverse of that yeah. and, and the, the, the trying to nurture and bring it, something out that's right and yeah. the and the catalyst or the the focus point the battle point for that would be sam so that was that was something that happened around episode after we've got out of charlie's house uh, we leave the house in episode at the end of five, five? Episode yeah. five, yeah. five. Uh, that's the point where i made the decision for sam and chloe because uh, i was like okay that's what's happening there i've got to do that when the world holds its breath Yes. Yeah. yes. My other moment is probably the speech that I gave. Which yes. one? The Anarchs. Oh, yeah. Where I just did it. And, and I then think Phil's line was like, oh, I buy by that. To let it be known that we ourselves are a coterie. We are a family. We understand what family means to each other and that we all need to look out for each other. We, all kindred, are a family. And one of our members has gone missing, Charlie. Charlie is one of the good ones. You said so yourself. We are worried. Who knows what things could have befallen him? There are more things to fear than ourselves. And we need to work together. Please. Yeah, 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 and yeah. I had no points in persuasion. It was just like, oh, shit. Just give it to her. Just give it to her. That's great. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Just the power of role play. Yeah. Well, and, and this is the, the strategy for good role playing is to do a thing, not try and roll a thing. I talked to this guy and, okay, well, then roll this mm. rather yeah. than I'm going to sneak in. It's like, okay, well, then roll a stealth, right? It's, yeah. it's I, I find some shadows and I cloak myself in them and then I start slowly moving down the, the corridor or something like that. Okay, well, roll stealth and I'll make it. You've just described easier. it yeah. yeah probably because and i'm probably make it easier because you've described it so well i don't have to you're not trying to beat the game mm. you're trying to play play into play the yeah. game yeah uh, tell the story as a result of that and then we add some dice in to see how that story resolves yeah. it's, mm. it's like the reason like npcs can't use persuasion on player characters in any game because you the player ultimately decides what your character believes or not and yeah. what they will or won't do and it mirrors real life where sometimes you can do things that are not 
in character or, you know, mm. don't play to your Moment strengths. Of inspiration. Yeah, sometimes you can stand up and, and if it's really from the heart, you can make a speech and you can try and convince everyone or, you know, maybe it's a feat of strength or some, something like that. Yeah. I like the unpredictability that comes with role-playing games where it's like no one is just one thing. And I'm not going to, if you do and you give that speech, mm. I'm not going to then say, okay, roll for it. Because, (laughs) like, I'm convinced of it. I think it's a good story moment. We're telling a collaborative story. For me to say roll for it adds an element of doubt and a degree of looseness over the story that I don't at that moment want. Well, it's what it says in the the vampire book and and lots of other books as well. It's like, hey, if it doesn't work for your game, don't use it or do use it. It's your game. It being your game, you could have gone either way. You could have been like, these characters are not going to buy Well, here's the thing. It's not my game. It's our game. Well, yeah. Yeah, It's a collaborative thing. But Um, there are bits when you say, um, oh, can I roll for that? Yeah, you can. I roll. You don't make it. Like, which is pretty damn clear. Oh, yeah, no, it wasn't going to like work. Yeah. yeah, the rule I go by of what you're describing is called, uh, I, I term it, say yes or roll. Mm. So yeah. if someone says their intention, if it doesn't make sense or it's not going to be interesting for them to fail, just just say yes. Yep. Yeah. Just say that happens. Yeah, yep. cool. Let's move on. Yeah. Yep. yeah. What about what about you, Phil? Yeah. Phil? <laughs> Do you mean Chris? Wow. <laughs> it's been a la- long day, mate. It's been a, been a long day. You've You're been, uh, right you've been editing Chris podcasts yeah. for a long time. Since, since Ellen hasn't talked yet, um, <laughs> you feel... No, Chris, wow, what's your favourite moment from the um, podcast? So I'll give myself... This my, is Auntie oh, Donna oh, right oh, no, here. Oh, uh, Chris? My favourite moment from the podcast was when you entered into Charlie's Haven. Ooh. First, the blackout on the street. She, as you can see, stands clearly. You can't... You can, see a, you can see a dark figure. Yeah. Oh, okay. So. What you can see is a woman. Do I recognize her? No. She has dark features, Mediterranean maybe, a black ponytail, a tight leather jacket, a black t-shirt perhaps, maybe a black business shirt, black pants. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. Som- the, the sombra. sombra. I mean, yeah. who's to say it was? Oh, my God. <laughs> Who's to say it was... Fuck right off, Chris. Yeah, I mean, Joan Shepard. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes, exactly. Confirmed. Um, Confirmed but, canon. But you guys going into the uh, going into the backyard and finding that pit uh, and then going into the bathroom and finding that bath. It was mm. the first time it started to sink into us, the, the kind of existential the horror. horror, the, yeah. the uh, Lovecraftian kind of elements. I think that's when it first hit mm. us. Yeah. My, my favourite thing to do as a, as a storyteller and as a writer generally is to present things uh, with an absence. Uh, and the absence is filled by the audience's or the player's imagination, mm. and that will always be scarier than anything I can come up with. Fucking here's, mattress. Here's a pit yeah. with a severed finger, and it's six foot by six foot by six foot. What do you think happens? What do you think it is? That whole, because uh, I was kind of like reversing today, going from the back and like, yeah. I was like, you know, do I remember certain details? Like, you know, do, is there anything I've forgotten? Mm-hmm. And I just remember the whole investigation between episode four and five being really fucking compelling because it is, we're just scrambling in the dark and like all those things that- You've got no frame of reference. No, because it's just like most investigations, like it's clear that it's an investigation story. Like it's a cop drama or it's a blah, 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 blah. There's a body, you find the blah, 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 blah. Finding a, a, a pit with fucking- A finger. F- yeah, yeah. Remains and a bathtub full of blood and these Greek mysteries and myths- 
what do you link to what? Do you know yeah. what I mean? You just you feel like fucking Charlie Day going, I don't know, anything could be related to anything. With Why characters not? that are not meant to know. Like, like for Kevin, it's like, okay, this is literally my first foray yes. into anything vampire related. This could be fucking anything. Mm. Here's the thing is that all of those things tell you that it's an investigation story. Yes. That's a horror story. But it doesn't tell you how. Exactly what I mean. Like, there's no thing to hang all the clues off. You know, there's no set way or kind of clear direction to start connecting all these things, which I think makes it all the more compelling because it's not it's not just like, oh, I know where this is going. Because yes. it could go any way of five different directions and you're none the wiser about any of them. It's that point in the the whodunit or the investigative story where everything opens out and there's like more clues in front of you that you could possibly hope to make sense of. Mm. And then as the story goes on, which bits are relevant become clear. Say, for instance, um, you know, Knives Out, right? Yeah. Oh, right at the beginning. So- spoilers for Knives Out. Spoilers for Knives <laughs> Out. I mean, I'm really just going to talk about the beginning, the opening. Spoilers for the beginning of Knives Out. Spoilers for the beginning, <laughs> is, uh, beginning of Knives Out. Um, there's quite a long section where each of the characters talks about the night before. Mm. And it takes up a big part of the, the opening of the film. And uh, Ryan Johnson, it was even like, I, I'm not really even sure if this is going to carry because it's a lot. And that's what that's the part of the story that it was where everything gets laid out and you just feel like you're drowning in yeah. details and yep. you don't know what's important. And and then, as you say, like it's so satisfying to watch the story narrow to a point and, and, and travel through that narrowing yourself and feel it all come together and things that are relevant shared. And then, you know, even, even though things never really are revealed to us fully. Well, like the very first thing, one of the first things that Kevin threw out was, um, you know, I thought Charlie was a victim, but if he's been dabbling in this shit. And then I think Vincent was like, don't be an Tom, I'll see Charlie as... As the only victim here, but if he's been dabbling in this shit... I mean, we, that's a leap. If he has, I mean, stands to reason he could have pissed off someone or something else. Or he could be in that pit. <laughs> there's a lot. Actually, going back, there's a lot in that episode where either us as characters or us as players like, that's not going to fucking happen. <laughs> and it all happens. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, another 12 Egg or 15 on episodes faces. later. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we have to get to our, our fans' questions yes. in a yeah. bit. But before we do, um, do you three have any questions for me? Yes. Now, yes. obviously I can't give away all the secrets, but I can give away some. I have a very easy question for you. Sure thing. What are the things you did where you had to call audibles or just had to work off the cuff because we did some... I asked Phil this last time. Like, ah, do, What did question. we do mm. that fucked with what you were going to do and then you had to call everything. an audible everything. or something <laughs> went completely not the way you planned? Because you can plan for eventualities, but there's just a point where I went, that's exactly not what I thought you were going to do. The, the biggest one that stands out is uh, capturing Sam. Oh, Sam, yeah. Sam being uh, captured, I had no idea you were going to do. I that's... That was just luck, wasn't it? I used, I was persistent. Used, I was like, power, power, yeah, speed, yeah. speed. You just kept Sean, chasing him. Sean made, uh, had his character activate two powers, uh, which effectively describe what he wanted to do. And if I'd said no to that, there would have been no point in him having those stats on his sheet. So in fairness to that, kind of being bound by what the story Sean wants to tell or, or the, the, the powers that his character can... I had to go, yes. Uh, I had no intention of doing that. And it turned out to be really fun. 
but that that absolutely was a moment where I did not plan for that. Mm-hmm. I did not plan for you capturing Sam. I I planned for you to to get his little game earlier on. Uh, Do you want to say what the game is? Because I know what the game is. Did anyone figure out the game that Sam oh, is playing? I, I no, I have not figured it out. You can't no. use those words. Then tell me what words I can use. That's cheating. Those words come from. It's Marco Polo. Uh, That's why you can't use those words. The only words you're supposed to be using were Marco, and he would have responded with Polo. It was obscure as fuck. You (laughs) you weren't really supposed to get it. Can someone describe what I'm doing? You're rolling your eyes heavily. You're rolling your whole body. Your whole body is rolled. (laughs) Undulating. Um, You weren't really supposed to get it, but you were kind of like supposed to interrogate that a little bit more. You'd be rewarded if you did get it. Yeah, absolutely. It was it was a shot in the dark kind of thing, but also it was it was a moment for you to interrogate. I can't imagine doing the rest of that chronicle without Sam. Well, here's the thing: is that there's another way to solve that, and that's to use how. And Ellen didn't use her powers, which is ore specs, which allows you to pierce obfuscate, Mm. which means you can see the unseen. Which is how you saw the little sombra. Which is how you saw the little sombra. And you didn't roll for it in that. In retrospect, maybe I should have prompted you to, but it worked out well in the end. But yes, I was banking on you using that because his obfuscate powers are are quite weak comparatively. On that, my question is, did we make any... Absolute, complete blunders. <laughs> I can, tell you, I can tell you, we one, just straight we up. just like those idiots. Yeah. How do we not Episode get that two. pointing to your teeth means fucking vampire in the beginning? Uh, walking away from the uh, walking away oh, from Tony. the yeah. plot character oh. was, was before a, we have all the information. Walking we away need. from the inciting incident yeah, was one of the most nerve wracking things I've ever experienced as a DM ever or as a storyteller yeah. ever, and I. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I've run a game for 50 people in a lab, and that moment there was more nerve-wracking, where I was like, what do... what?" What do do? What do I do? How do you plan on starting? I've got eyes and ears where they need to be. You leave it with me. You've clearly asked me for a reason. So how about you let me do my job? Seems to be an unorthodox request. So we will do it in an unorthodox way. Okay. All right. You shouldn't really care about our methods. Results will speak for themselves. Sure thing. Is that it's like the col- I think there's a colliery in how I felt at the beginning of going mainstream, where I felt like I hadn't quite made it clear that like your next step was to 
to yeah. call was to call your Amelie. contact, yeah. Yeah. call Emily, yes. and yes. I was just sitting there going, "Oh God, what if I haven't? What if I? How do I get them to?" do And eventually, yeah. I just ask you to do it. Yeah. 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 So I, I think you sort of probably you're like you should probably go back. Well, I yeah, think, you I think said you, who you made us had make all a the common sense roll. Yes. Well, you guys ask a question. You're like, okay, where should we start? And I I say ask roll common sense, and you're like, I'm like, well, maybe go back to the information guy <laughs> yeah. uh, and ask him. And that's a good place to start. Yeah. Uh, the start. Uh, that, managed- that was that was pretty. Terrifying. You managed to get us back on track in a very um, tactful way yes. without <laughs> saying, make us feel too you stupid. assholes. And we, you know, we managed to role play around yes. it where it's yes. like, we've got a hot head you here. you got a hot head. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're trying to be diplomatic. That's, it's almost as bad as the first <laughs> really blunder we made when uh, you got the phone call from Tony and it's like, nah, I'm not going to take it. <laughs> I'm not here for this. DMs the world over a scream. I honestly don't want to hear about the mistakes it's making me feel you did so do that. Any, so any other like big blunders? You're like, well, you missed the giant clue in front of you guys. The, the one that I really am, I won't answer this question because right, it's because it's spoilers, and it's if we continue with vampire, it might come up later. I am surprised you didn't have more solid understandings of what Ishtar is, like personally or was. Yes, you was, Us you as was players. Ca- players and characters. Uh. I was I was uh, a little bit surprised that you didn't make more guesses as to what that was. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that like it was obvious, duh, but yeah. it was that was a thing where I was like, they're not taking the bait or I certainly I think there was a an episode where you guys rolled a lot to mm. try and discover it. And I'm like, I really I was pushing for you to to make kind of educated guesses. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right. You wanted us to Investigated. Yes, as as players and by extension as characters, and I was like, "You're not getting there." So, yeah. and that's fine. That happens occasionally. I feel yeah. like also uh, listeners not to keep <laughs> trying to defend ourselves, but it's where those things of like because it's a gothic horror, because it's investigation, because it's that kind of thing. There's so many things that can be interpreted so many different yes. ways and like I knew myself as a player I'm like I know Ishtar as you know an, an old goddess of destruction yes what does that mean though? Like, what does it mean be, in the world of darkness you know yes. is it a literal goddess is it someone is it another you know is it another kindred is it uh, who the fuck what it, it could be mean so many things it could mean the heat death of the universe yes exactly and you're just like I don't know what to go for yeah, <laughs> there is there is a real tendency to make you overthink things when you get into the atmosphere of yes. the game. When, yeah. And when you're in those over overthinking moments, when you're paralyzed by choice or paralyzed by I'm not sure what to do, the answer for a lot of players is, and it's it's counterintuitive because it's not what the DM usually wants, but it's what you lean on. And I do it all the time as a player. You roll. You go, I want an occult roll. I want to investigate roll. I want to persuade roll. I want an athlete, uh, academics <laughs> roll. I want to use my character sheet to solve this because I as a player I can't. can't. And yeah. what the DM is prompting you to do yeah. is try. to try fail and then roll in yeah. that order rather yeah. than I want to ro- I want to roll my way out of this cuz yeah. I don't I feel uncomfortable not knowing and I don't want to look like an idiot by coming up with something that's wrong. Hey man, we're not afraid to look like idiots. Yeah. <laughs> um, out of curiosity, do you have any ideas on what Ishtar is or was or uh, and, uh, Antediluvian. Antediluvian. Antediluvian is yeah. my is mm. my guess. Okay. The idea uh, I kind of piece this together in the in the calm following the end of recording, <laughs> the idea that the story is that she was brought over in this Greek ship and she's she's an Antediluvian in a carca in a um, what am I think? What's the a coffin? It's a coffin, a sarcophagus. Yeah, yeah, sarcophagus. Yeah. Yep. You know that 
that's the story that's trying to be told through the book. Which makes mm-hmm. sense because it's, you know, the, the destruction of all of us, you yes. know, and when, when they wake up. She's going to yeah. eat us all and blah, yeah. blah, and it was and the, the poem is, what, my, my children? children? My creations, my beautiful things. Poetry break is what he writes. Watch and listen. Listen all, um, and watch. Descend from the antediluvian. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're often the big bad in vampire stories, I recall, after I'm in the actual yep. game, you know. Yeah. The elders and and the power that they wield is always hanging over uh, any vampire story. Okay, those are some interesting theories. I'm not going to confirm or deny. Shiba Inu did it all. Allah, Silent Hill 2. There you go. <laughs> the, 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 the surprise her. dog ending. <laughs> um, Ellen, do you have any for me? Auras. Okay. Was I right with any of them? Because I was just interpreting ha- colours and emotion. No. No. <laughs> you, you were more often wrong than Boom. you were right. <laughs> what a useless power. Now, <laughs> some DMs or storytellers out do. there. <laughs> yeah, they, they might legitimately be being like, Chris, you've done her dirty. Did they give, did they give you a colour chart? Yes. Oh, you fuck. <laughs> No, I liked it the way I did it. Well, yeah. I, I deliberately came in with that intention um, because of your sire mm-hmm. having that we only Hitting had things so, from so many. Yes, hit, hiding things from you. Yes, um, we only had a certain uh, amount of time to prep, which meant that I didn't want a lot of. Well, your sire would tell you this. Yeah. Well, your sire would tell you this. Mm. Well, you know this already. Well, you know this already. Yeah. Well, you know this already. And backtracking. And so a way to solve that was for Phil to have a sire who was very domineering and mm-hmm. for him to know a very specific area of kindred society, Tremere, take their time slowly uh, raising their child uh, and developing their skills. So you know about the Camarilla, you know about the traditions, you know about the Tremere. Yeah. Everything else, who gives a fuck? Yeah, because we're... With Tremere. You're, in, you're insular, you look inwards, yeah. you, you are self-affected. For Sean, I had him abandoned by his sire. And new to town. New to town. And for Ellen, I had you as an estranged, not just by your sire, but yep. kind of by the clan general. Mm-hmm. And so this made it more easy for you to kind of discover that sort yeah. of stuff. I might give you the chart come if we do season two. <laughs> okay. As you've character. learned a bit yeah. more. Exactly. I, Can I ask, was I right about any... <laughs> Do you remember? Very few. <laughs> very, very few. In oh, fact, man. I was I was Can you name I, names? <laughs> in in the episodes, I think I'm actually like shocked at how often not only did you get them wrong and this isn't like how a, wrong you okay, were okay alright we didn't come here to judge me well, I, I, was, I was surprised at how often what you and your quite reasonable interpretations were the opposite of what's presented not just wrong but like diametrically opposed okay. you'd be like oh this this colour uh, has like this kind of tone and has this kind of like colour history mm-hmm. and colour theory behind it and yep. I'm like yeah that makes sense that makes sense I agree with all of that and you're but like, it's right. and, and you're <laughs> like it's cyan and that means all of these and it's yeah. like a sea breeze and that's kind of like a soothing cu- and it's yeah, like yeah. red hot rage and i'm like what the okay. fuck but I, i'm sure that i a, tried my best that's, yeah <laughs> it, it was just one of those things uh let's jump to um let's jump to our fan questions uh we have one from dennis higgins who firstly dennis thank you very much for hey. laughing at my xx book joke uh <laughs> i thought you would get that that's my little easter egg to all the vampire fans out there um, just to dennis <laughs> he, well and anyone who's a fan of some old uh malkavian books I might tell you that. Actually, I will. Would you like to hear this? Sure. It, it won't affect you. Do you, guys, do you guys remember in the game how um, Sam talked about book XX? It's the screams of vampire players around the world going, <laughs> Oh my goodness, I can't believe I was once this naive. <laughs> Bible? Um, XX page XX Bible? Maybe? Ch- 
Page 10, 10, XX, 20, 20 of what? What books would do the Malkavians? There was Dante's Inferno. There was the Bible. There was a Bible. Bible, I just said that. There were Bibles and Dante's Inferno. I surely have copies of both. It looks like the 20th book of the Bible. Oh my God. And we all went crazy over it. So do you know what page XX is? 20. No. Oh, that's uh, wrong. It's a placeholder. It is a placeholder for when, for when an editor is uh, putting together a book because yeah. obviously a book hasn't been formatted. So turn to page XX. It means that the pages haven't been set and they will be once the book is edited. White Wolf made the publishing company of Vampire the Masquerade made a whole bunch of mistakes where they just left those in occasionally. Yeah. Uh. But all the time, it's turn to page XX, turn to page XX. And in the clan Malkavian book... There is a page XX. Oh, right. They did <laughs> it on purpose. Because they're mad. Yeah. And okay. they know the secrets and they know the answers. Nice. Uh, and it's a blank page. And that's page XX. Nice. Okay. So it's a Malkavian in joke. Oh, right. right. That's clever. Uh, like which that. is sometimes they'll they'll just say stuff to mess with you. But that's the that's the fun little <laughs> Easter egg, which you guys hyper fixated on. Which yeah. is <laughs> Malkavians. A lot of fun. Super fun. Love yeah, that. Right. Love that for us. <laughs> um, so uh, Dennis asks, I don't know if I have a specific question, but I am curious at how it was built. Was it built as a chronicle or just a story? Do you wait for you uh, wait until you have the characters done uh, that you wrote it, or did you have part of it done before the characters? So I'll answer this. Only you can. Only I can. <laughs> this was written primarily after the after the players had made their characters. I had a general idea that I wanted to set my game in Adelaide. I've been playing uh, World of Darkness games in Adelaide for a while, so I kind of know what sort of stories it lends itself to. Uh, it's an isolated city. It's a city which has a, a big river running through it. Mm-hmm. It's a geometrically organized city built by a man, um, Colonel Light. So it has geometrical mysteries to it. You can tell like mage stories about how the city is actually like one big pentagram or one big like geometric ley line organization and it's a conduit for all like supernatural energies all of that sort of stuff it's also super conservative in it's the very scheme conservative of things. city of churches it's churches, city of churches yeah. it's, city it's got murder. a gothic mm-hmm. feel to so, it so there's lots of stuff there it's a city uh it's a free city it was it was the first city of australia which didn't have uh, convicts convicts that's settling why we it. feel so fucking su- so superior there's, so there's snotty. lots of different stuff that i knew i could draw upon and so I had those kind of ready to go. I cut down the core book, the V20 book. I cut that down to a very, very, very manageable chunk. Yep. And we also had bits that just had a big X across it. It's like, no. Don't look at this. No. And I, yeah. I, I, I deliberately made it clear that not only was this is what they're getting, but this is what they're getting to the exclusion of other things, um, that you weren't getting the full picture, which I thought was very important. And so I presented you with those options. I gave you the option of playing with the seven clans from the core book, from the original, very original game, which you all chose. When you created your characters, uh, you all created stats. I then took all of those stats, overlaid them all so that I could see where points were put and where points weren't for all three characters. So I think two of you had quite high investigation. Lots of you, it was a very intelligent, very social game. Sean was the only character with physical stats. None of you had animal at all. I was going to say no animal can, which means you're not going to throw some animals in there. Exactly right. And and so that sort of stuff, after looking at their character sheets, I went, okay, what's there? What's not? What do I need to include? Because I want to include stuff that they are competent at dealing with. We had a very similar question put to us when we talked about going mainstream in the afterwards. And it's a very similar approach to me. I think... It's particularly the right approach when you're doing this sort of writing for a performance yes. and before something's recorded. I mean, if you're building a D&D campaign that's going to go on and on, like maybe it's not as important that you tailor the story around 
the characters as much. You know, it's going to go on for a long time. There's going to be a lot of various challenges. Mm-hmm. But like yes. you say, you you look at the characters that you get given and what you talk about pre-season, about what you want to do, and you shape the story around what everyone wants to th- to tell that's right and i think games lend themselves to different styles of storytelling dungeons and dragons tells its story often through conflict and through combat an easy way to look at what sort of game you're about to start playing is to look at the character sheet and see how much space the character sheet is dedicated to things like social things like mental things like physical combat gear gear like discipline supernatural powers backstory backs yeah exactly allies mm-hmm. contacts. Yeah, yeah all of that and so if your sheet like Dungeons and dragons has has a sizable chunk of it all being about combat damage health dealing how much damage all like different combat styles then you know that the game is largely about combat yeah and so the the story will be facilitated through combat now it's not going to tell you exactly what sort of story you're going to be telling but it will tell you how that story is going to be conveyed with white wolf games all the three of those things are equal. So we only had like, what, one or two combats in the whole game? We had mm. one combat that was done cinematically, which was when Kevin goes full Bruja. Yep. yep. And then we had, and we also had another cinematic one in the demo, Kevin going full Bruja. Yeah. But then the only time we <laughs> used theme. the combat system was at the very, very the end. Very yes. end. And it turns out, you know, not it's not an anti-climax, but it turns out when, we, when the vi- time for violence comes, our opponent, our nefarious opponent, begs and pleads because it's a political game yeah you know it's it's uh oddly enough reminded me a lot of richard the (laughs) second like oh yeah because that whole shakespeare play is purely gothic and shakespeare (laughs) but it's purely political do you Mm. know what i mean Mm. like and and you have these kind of these two characters who are uh, are dueling with power and and their words and whatever but when crunch comes to crunch it doesn't take that much to kill someone you know it doesn't take someone to, dr- to take much to drag someone away screaming what about the other part of that question uh so did you envisage it as part of a larger chronicle or mm. was it just kind of this story that you kind of i always envision it as part of a chronicle because i think that if you create a story with a beginning and end as a writer that's completely fine because you're the arbiter of that but when you're collaborating with other people you as a general consensus need to come to an ends and i wasn't sure how that would happen i kind of knew where i wanted this section to end but i didn't want you to approach that as if it was the end mm-hmm. if that's yeah. clear that you, don't makes a, sense. you don't approach it with finality so because it who knows that's right um so i i deliberately set out as a chronicle i created 50 npcs for the city i created a whole bunch of stuff for the game that never got used which is absolutely great but yes so i approached it after they gave me, after the players gave me the character sheets and predominantly with a sense of creating it as a chronicle with long-term ability to drop in, drop out, partly because I want the players to feel as though the characters aren't thrown away at the end of the story, but partly like, because that can happen. Oh, we're getting towards the end. It really, you know, our characters live or die. It doesn't really matter. We're coming to the end of the story, but also it'll give it a more holistic, uh, well-rounded world. And I think the the important thing as well, because I think we should, I, I, I'd like to be able to acknowledge uh the work that he did the easter egg is because we mentioned him once in the demo there was going to be another player there yes. was there was going to be paul goodman <laughs> oh, yeah. who, mm. who did out who does our music and was going he had a malkavian player set up and it just turned out due to time constraints we weren't able to put it through but i remember when you were talking to me chris you said that at that point the story was potentially quite different yeah the story was radically different i was uns- I, I had very different 
understandings of where things were going. Not bad, but very different. And yes, so it was. It's very tailored to the players. Uh, speaking of the players, I've got some questions for you guys from Hooray! from a friend of mine, Caleb. Uh, Caleb asks, hey, Caleb. "Where did you get the inspiration for your characters from?" Uh, let's start with Phil. I guess. This is maybe going to be a bit of an indictment on myself. He's he's like a dark reflection. I was going to say it's you, isn't it? Yeah, (laughs) he's probably some of my worst. Ooh, big one. Less you. Sorry, he's probably some of my worst tendencies. He wouldn't have even like turned his head away to sneeze. No, he wouldn't. (laughs) He wouldn't have definitely buried his head in his crook of his elbow, uh, which you should be doing when you sneeze. Uh, Yeah, no. So uh, you know, he's an academic that's the kind of life i could have possibly have gone into uh like he's a literature professor that's what i studied um, <laughs> oxford grad yeah <laughs> i wasn't gonna say that but thank you it. thank you <laughs> thank you for doing it for oxford me grad we have an that oxford grad on our podcast mm-hmm. um so yeah but it but but he's the kind of he's the selfish uh, power hungry version of me which is so th- there are there's a sort of a base of me in terms of approaching problems from an intellectual side of things but there are kind of mirror images of me where you know he has vincent has a great deference for authority and i think you know hierarchies and structures are well overused in our society and in our world he has a selfishness and a and a lust for power which is kind of opposite to me as well where i really just want to enable others and be compassionate so it's sort of yeah it's like uh you know it's like dark link Mm. Vincent's like Dark Phil Great Can I ask a follow up question to this This isn't something Caleb asked Did you find the character easy or hard to play? I found it a little bit tough to begin with It didn't sit very well on my shoulders Being so sort of arrogant and dismissive And I think he was a character that had like a lot of stuff bound up and really held really tight. And I found that quite hard to to kind of keep all those layers in mind. And what actually became easier is when he became paranoid is that actually became easier because a lot of the stuff that he was hanging on to unraveled and then all the undercurrent became, all the subtext became text and it became easier to play. Mm. Beautiful. Sean, what about you? Where did you uh, get your character inspiration from? I mean, I already mentioned a bit of the, uh, the impulses behind in terms of the kind of wanting to go outside of myself but actually it came from a character that i did in a play a few years back when i was studying there was uh, we did a um it was a play, it was a play that both uh phil and myself did it was a an australian musical mm, called summer, summer rain, rain and i played a character called red who had a culmination of about 15 lines but i thought all right i'm gonna i'm gonna steal the fucking scene and everything i'm in um so i just i just <laughs> i really put him down here yeah. And uh, it's just this no-nonsense kind of bloke yep. who lives off the land and his name's Red. Nice. So I thought just change Red to Kev. <laughs> so Logi- logical. logical and And kind of just built the character from there. For me, what's weird is the way that I've approached characters so far in my role-playing is the voice always comes first. The voice informs an archetype, which then gets my mind running imaginatively, and then I usually attach that to the clan that I'm drawn to or the role or yeah, whatever the, the case may or, be. Yeah, yeah. yeah, It just flows from there. So I, I, I knew I wanted to be a Bruja mm-hmm. and I knew the voice I wanted and then that just kind of 
spitballed. And did you find the character easy or Fuck tricky? Yes, easy, <laughs> easy. Yes. Play. Okay. As opposed to going uh, mainstream, like I like found pissing in the wind. I found junk very hard because I didn't prep as much. Right, I didn't, and I did, and and because of that, I didn't know the character until about halfway into the season. Kev, I knew from the beginning. Great, right. Kev was always there. I do, mm. do you just want to highlight the extra research done on Kev oh, the Kevinisms for, for the Kevinisms? <laughs> uh, at what point did that become like a keystone of the character? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was probably a, I once I wrote down a, uh, like I did his character sheet and I realized I wanted him to be Aussie. I'm like, oh, I want him to few stubby short of a six yeah, pack. Two, uh, yeah, two, few stubby short of a six pack. Uh, a few ruse loose in the top paddock. <laughs> so it was so the, I, it I was just started f- flourish at the end of the character. Yeah, it was yeah. kind of like once I knew I wanted to like actualize him more, and I like I was thinking to myself, why? What was it about junk that made me feel? so untethered and it was i didn't feel like i was inside him enough in terms of the way he talks i knew the voice and i knew such but i didn't know how he talked and for kevin i like these people that talk about like talking colloquialisms yeah Mm. and talk in those ways where i go what the what the fuck are you saying Mm. so i had to just i just went online just found as many as i could wrote the english translation (laughs) Underneath the Kevinisms. Yes. And just waited for appropriate narrative moments to bring them out. Well, I think on top of knowing how the character talks is is or knowing what the character says, but knowing how they respond to circumstances mm. is is also a quality that's led by you can know how the character speaks, but you if you don't know how they react to circumstance, it's tricky to use that entirely. Yeah. And I think Kevin had a really strong you had a strong understanding of how mm. Kevin responded to things. It was exemplified in the first episode where you walk away from the plot yeah. character and you go, fuck it, the world can catch up yeah. with me. Mm. I, I yeah. didn't know <laughs> Junk was the antagonist until halfway through. <laughs> this like this is the thing. I didn't realise that was why how he would react. Yes. Yeah. And I realized, oh no, he's becoming unraveled. And that's what I had to lean into. And once I got that, junk made sense. But Kev, I just he's just yeah mate. Yeah, you, you reminds me of a character from Blue Healers. Like, That's yeah. part of my inspiration too. Yeah. yeah. Blue Healers. Nice. Uh Ellen. Um okay, so I guess like the main things of Vampire that really interested me was the whole theme, right? It's gothic punk. And we'd done punk with going mainstream and I really wanted to get into the gothic because I fucking love gothic stories. I love, love, love them. I'm, you know, I'm a bit of a romantic nerd. You know, I love Byron. I love Shelley, you know, all that good shit. I love it. I love flawed heroes. I love conflicts. I love, I love the whole gothic tropes. Like I watched Crimson Peak not that long ago and I'm like, some people are like, oh, it's so formulaic. I'm like, they're gothic tropes, you nerds. Like just eat it up, all right? They're meant. They're meant eat for your tropes. <laughs> they're meant for you to be enjoyed and languished. And there's a lot of things that are very romantically simple about gothic stories. We're only allowed to have our expectations subverted. Cannot have things conform to tropes anymore. Yeah. I'm sorry. Oh no! One of my um, biggest bugbears <laughs> with the LARPing community. Learn to enjoy tropes. Yeah. yeah, and I and I really wanted to get into that. There's like a, a manga I really enjoyed growing up called Godchild, and that is just like got gothic tropes up the ass. Like it just like it loves them. I mean, it, where else do you put them? Uh, well, exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, and I really wanted to go with that, and I also wanted to go with a character that would embody that a bit more. So I'm like, what is a gothic? Character a nun who's been turned vampire. It's pretty Are you gothic. Kidding me? It's pretty gothic. Um, and then the, I think the whole French thing. I wanted her to be kind of 
divorced from the world that she's in. I wanted her to be kind of like... A stranger. Yes. And I, I guess I was kind of trying to play into the ingenue thing a little bit is oh. that, you know, she's approaching this world wide-eyed and seemingly trustful of everyone when she really ought Shouldn't not to be. be. There's Australian Gothic themes in that as well yeah. of, of the European coming, coming to here. what they perceive as a, as a easy land or a, a, a naively a hard land mm-hmm. and, and not fully understanding what's happening around them yeah. and reacting uh, dangerously or, or problematically uh, mm. to And not to being the... quite accepted because of that. Exactly. Yeah, um, there's a real yeah. mismatch between the kind of feel or culture of Australia mm. and the feel and culture of France, which yes. is, is very feet and gentle and sophisticated and we're we're rough and ready and yeah and yeah. it's nice to pair those two mm. yeah. and honestly i think the french accent just gave me time to think a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, you say? yeah exactly because you can play things off as i don't uh, understand yes. i don't understand yes. the words you are saying right now um that slipped away from me i'm I not, not too embarrassed of my french accent but there are it, i it was there were moments when it was quite hard to role play through. Like, Listen, did you role play with your teeth in all the time? I think we can forgive. <laughs> we yeah. can forgive a little accent. No, drop. but there were just certain things that I'm like, man, this is oh, a fucking love- stupid accent to pick when there's so many chuz in there. I <laughs> love that you you had that accent and you had to say Toriador. Toriador. Do you know what I mean? Toriador. Or like even Cotri. So hard to put that in there. So many nasal sounds. I know, I know. And I really, oh man, I struggled. But I hope it was okay. Did you enjoy playing the character? In a horrible way, yeah. In a way that. That's my my whole experience, the whole recording. It it made my whole tummy hurt. I I enjoyed it in a horrible way. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. because it was. In like a roller coaster way? Yeah. Yeah, and it it was that thing of like, I thought I knew this character, but maybe I don't. But I think that's the game playing into that of like, what are you now? playing you. Yeah. It's got haunted house. Right, yeah. it's like, oh, I'm coming to be freaked out. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I did enjoy, and I really got to enjoy being golf because that's me. <laughs> so I have three sillier questions. These are all from my friend Alex. Hi, um, Alex. Hey, so, hey, Alex. Have you ever thought of expanding your character experiences into LARP? No, no. Uh, is is my direct answer? Honestly, I. I don't think Sean translates, not Kevin, I don't think Sean translates well to LARP. Granted, I say that as someone who has not LARPed. It's just the uh, the impulse I, I'd, I'd get. But answering the question strictly, have I thought about it? No. Uh, I have thought about it mainly because you, Chris, have asked me. Yes. <laughs> yes. There are bits of it that make me a bit squeamish mainly because it sounds very similar to improv and improv makes me nervous i just <laughs> yes and. like do you know what i mean like there's just something very nerve-wracking about improvised things because you don't know what the agreement is and and the whole thing that even makes me a bit nervous about roll to cast is because we are trying to craft a story through somewhat improvisation but we all have a structure to fall back on we're all collaborating together we know each other Mm. um whereas sometimes when i watch improv with people i want to crawl out of my skin and fucking die um (laughs) do do you know what i mean because it's just like who's agreeing with who what's the yes and sometimes you need someone to know but you and they just won't or sometimes you need someone to yes and you and they don't and it, it you know, can go so many crazy, crazy situations. I mean, I like the idea of it, um, you know, because there are moments where we are just, I mean, we're sitting down, but... (laughs) 
when you would when, embodying yeah, it. Yeah, when you really wish that you maybe were standing up at a table and making a declaration or there's something fun about that. So, I don't know. Maybe. I'm in sort of a maybe and just to wank off a little bit here. Uh, <laughs> ah, ah, all over everyone. Oh, I, I think you know to expand we have we have a shared understanding of of dramaturgy around our table. Where we perform together, some of us have performed on stage or together directed or each directed other, directed each other, and we build these stories collaboratively. So part of what we did in the run up to our very first season, and we've done similar things, is that we sat down and we put a big sheet of paper out and we went, "What does cyberpunk mean to us? What kind of story do we want to tell?" And you know, and it feel you know, there's all that groundwork underneath, right? And if you go play with a bunch of people you don't know and you live action with them. It just it just makes me nervous, yeah. right? It just makes the a whole idea makes me feel really nervous. What if someone's really fucking toxic? What if someone is there using their vampire, especially something like, like vampire, where it's all about power, power, domination, mm. and control? You know, what if someone's using that as a proxy? Like, and I'm, what? What if? Mm. Yes, you know, and and how does that work? Is it icky? How do I get out of that situation? It just makes me really nervous. Yeah. And I know, like, good laps have things in place to mm. to stop that sort of thing happening. You know, absolutely, they do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because think, it's a big risk yes. But those are the risks that come foremost to my mind So I have thought about it But it's not something I'm rushing out to do yeah. And I also think, I'm a hermit That's yes. the other reason for yeah. me I, would, yeah. I mean, would I love to do more dress-ups as these characters? Yes, please yeah, for sure, Because yeah. I love embodying that I love bringing those characters to life in that way And like, uh, what one thing I would love to do Is like, you know, see more things that are refined versions of role-playing right so like maybe it's you do a role-playing scene and then you're like fuck that was a really powerful scene i wish we could like cut through the the dice rolling and blah 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 and what if we just like filmed that you know like that yeah. would be really Script, cool scripted and filmed yeah it, yeah and- so if you're uh, a <laughs> larper out there what i reckon i just sit and sincerely like I, no offense to anyone no, we're no, just no, like no. yeah what, what i recommend is um celebrate the positive experiences get on instagram get on twitter get on facebook post the positive experiences that you have larping celebrate them talk it up if you you want people to join your hobby. Talk, this is the talk. barrier you've got to get over, right? That people are naturally nervous about it. Yeah. yeah. Barriers um, us. <laughs> um, uh, the follow-up question to that, do you think, I'll ask you guys this, uh, you three, you can answer this. Do you think Chris is going to come back to love? Uh, Sean, Ellen, <laughs> Phil? Uh, yeah, he's dying to, I think. Yeah. In some way, shape or form, yeah. yeah. I mean, he's, why he's, did you ask yeah. me otherwise? <laughs> yeah, he's, de- he, uh, he's prompted you us. Do you want to do laughing? Because I'm not going <laughs> to. Yeah, he's asked us a couple of times, hey, you want to laugh? You want to laugh? So he's definitely going back. Yeah. yeah. We'll see. <laughs> uh, that yes. means yes. Well, uh, we've been having some discussions, and there you like go. like uh, like you guys, I have a similar kind of feel about in terms of the improv and the um, shared kind of creative control mm. over what is and what isn't happening in a LARP. Um, it's just so heavy as well, vampire. Look, I, I um, can be. I mean, something it can silly be. like D and I would love to do a LARP. I mean, that, my first LARP like, character <laughs> was a was a gangrel who uh, wore a big fuck off crucifix around his neck. Spoken in Irish accent and frenzied all the time. So that was a kind of good in, right? A bit, and yeah. everyone was like, Jesus, there he goes again. <laughs> Jesus, Mary and Joseph. <laughs> he, he was just this, yeah, he was just this Irish, Irish young Christian guy who, who, like who, to frenzied, on. who Was it also just an excuse to like drink? He- no, they can't. That's like, right. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, that's why you should play vampire. Responsible yeah. gaming. Yeah. Yeah. One half of the Boondock Saints. Yeah, basically. <laughs> uh, it, it was chaotic and fun and silly. And as the character got 
more established. I became more serious. But, you know, it was a lot of fun. It's positive experiences I've had. I've had some negative experiences, but you have that with everything. Yeah. I'm sure mm-hmm. you guys have had on stage positive and negative oh, yeah, experiences. Sure. Oh, there you go. You, you heard it here first, Alex. Uh, maybe. And the, answer is, maybe. the answer is maybe. Hot maybe to all of the above. <laughs> yes. Uh, now, the last one the uh, is one. the silliest question of all. Okay. Um, Hit me. This to all of you. How hard do you praise Kane? Uh, <laughs> oh, just... Really, just really hard. Me as a player or I uh, mean, the character? Every, <laughs> every night when I wake up from my sateen-lined coffin, yep. I just sing, praise Kane. <laughs> praise Kane. As, uh, as praise someone my who, wife uh, is very weirded out. But yeah. As someone who uh, was uh, uh, raised in a, a Seventh-day Adventist primary school. <laughs> <laughs> uh, probably a lot. I don't I know. Feel praise Kane the hardest. I yeah, feel, yeah, yeah, that's right. Praise Kane hardcore. I feel me, Ellen, praises Kane. Uh, I feel Isabel would feel that Cain uh, was unfairly punished maybe and that as a as a good Christian the the role is because Cain is still loved right Cain is still beloved by God God gave maybe well I mean like according to Christian myths not sure, not yeah. necessarily from what she knows yes. God loves all their children God gave Cain a mark so that no one else could hurt Cain and yes. like, I feel like there's something in there where it's like, you know, we are all children. Does that make oh, sense? You made yes. a silly uh, question very oh, intelligent. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> praise... I went to Kane every night. Is that better? <laughs> Way better. <laughs> praise Abel. Praise Abel. Yeah. Where's uh, the love for Abel? Yeah. Where's the love for Abel? If Where's the saw... Abelites? <laughs> that's what humans do. Yeah, um, it's kind of unfair what, of God to be do. like, hey, Kane, I forgive you. And Abel's just dead being like, oh, excuse me. I don't I don't forgive him. <laughs> I don't agree. <laughs> uh, look, and that's all the questions that we have uh, right now. But if you'd like to ask us any more questions about the season um, or about what's upcoming, uh, you can email us at babybeardmedia at gmail.com. You can go to our Twitter, babybeardmedia. You can go to our Facebook, babybeardmedia, Instagram, babybeardmedia. If you want to target one of us specifically, uh, not for harassment, hopefully, uh, I'm at scruff, S-K-K-R-U-F. Well, all our stuff is in the links below. Yeah, that's true. Let's mm. do that. Slurl. I don't know. It feels nice to say. Yeah, nice. Slurl. Uh, I'm LEB96. I'm not on Twitter because it's a hell hole and I do not want to be part of it. <laughs> it is the Blue Hell site. Uh, yeah. Ellen is on Instagram. I am on Instagram. Uh, and I am on Twitter. I am bonding Chris. You uh, can ask us questions there or through the Baby Beard Facebook page or anywhere really. The last thing is, well, that wraps up season two. Oh, hey. Which means that we have a season three coming up. Oh, oh boy, do we. <laughs> now, now due to some reasons, we can't tell you what that is. Yeah, we're bursting to tell you, but we just can't. We deeply want to tell you, so but I can, we can't. I can tell you that I'm the storyteller. That's one thing I can tell you. I can tell and you we are we are the players. Yes, yes. Uh, the play the cast is the same. Uh, Paul's come back to do music. Yeah, uh, just and it's smash it's it, just, by the way. It's even better than it was last time, which was even better than the first time. So, uh, is there, what else can we reveal? That's we it. We can't really reveal much more. We can reveal that it's a very the the the. It's secret. <laughs> uh, Hopefully it won't be too much longer no. before we can tell you uh, why we're so excited about it and why we've got a lid on it. So, like, you know, keep keep not only listen to our episodes as we yeah. come, because we've still got a few more <laughs> mid-season uh, uh, ones coming up. For example, uh, the following week we'll be having an interview with the illustrious Paul Goodman to talk about the music of Roll to Cast. Mm. What um, inspired it, where certain tracks uh, link, so mm-hmm. and, and maybe where you can get your own copy of the music as well. We're also going to have some other stuff come up, fingers crossed. But 
like always, the more popular we are, the more popular things that we can do, mm-hmm. uh, the more clout that we have. Uh, and so we can talk to people in the industry. We're all for about you. that clout. Yeah. 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 So um, if you want us to chat to, I don't know. Someone, oh. someone in the vampire oh. community. Yeah. No, let us know. Mike, yeah. I remember the Mike concert <laughs> episode. <laughs> yeah, we've we've interviewed the creator of Cyberpunk 2020. So, so um, uh, you know, you know, we, we are we are Mr. and Mrs. Clouts all around. Yeah, yeah. nice. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, if you want us to have more clout, tell a friend. Tell a friend. Uh, subscribe. Yep. Join our Patreon. Yeah. If there's enough Patreon uh, members, we will be able to release into season. We will not be bound by seasons. Yeah, we'll, uh, just we'll be able to release uh, more than one series during uh, during play, which would be exciting. So you'll get two episodes a week of of different games. Gosh, wouldn't um, that be nice? Because mm. I've mentioned it, I've mentioned Lugre. it before. I have also dipped my toe into DMing, mm. um, and and who knows when we will see flame, more like. the light of day. And Ellen is looking to as well. I am. So if yes. you want to support uh, their dreams, <laughs> <laughs> don't let our dreams be memes. All it's right, up to guys. You. Go, to, go to the Baby Beard Patreon and uh, give us a little bit of cash. Yeah, come or on. share yeah. it with someone. Come I don't on. know. Just cash, cash and clout. Uh, honestly, truthfully, the, the best thing you can do is if you can't give us a Patreon support, um, share it with a friend or and rating us on uh, iTunes, the podcast podcatcher, yeah. truly does help us. Yeah. It, it's incredible. Also, don't feel, you know, it doesn't just have to be your friends. If you think we ought to talk to someone or, you know, someone in the biz or whatever in the community should be seeing us, tweet it at them because people are much more likely to see something if they get someone directly telling them to do it. Oh, yeah. Follow us on Instagram to see photos of our beautiful faces cosplaying as vampires. Mm -hmm. Uh, I recently put out a Malkavian photo shoot. Yeah. Thanks to Sean and uh, Ellen. Uh, Our art came out from Matt Who Draws on Twitter. There's a... So... It's beautiful. Matt's a fantastic artist uh, and he's available on Twitter. So if you go to our Twitter page, you'll see him. Uh, But Phil, you have your beautiful face on our Instagram so you can find him there as well. And uh, we also have... A wonderful cosplay of Ellen as uh, Alessandra. Mm. And we might have some more coming up. Mm -hmm. Who knows? I hope so. But otherwise, until then, I've been Chris. I've been Kevin slash (laughs) Sean. I've been Ellen Graham playing Isabelle Dumont. I've been Philip playing Vincent Masters. Professor Vincent. Don't forget it. Good evening, neonates. Good evening. Good evening. (laughs) Oh, and, and praise Cain. Praise Cain. Praise Abel. <laughs> you have been listening to Adelaide by Night, which is a Roll to Cast production. The best way to find us is on Twitter, Discord, and our Patreon. All our podcasts are on Acast, Spotify, YouTube, and all good podcatchers. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash roll to cast portions of the materials are the copyrights and trademarks of white wolf entertainment ab and are used with permission all rights reserved for more information please visit white-wolf.com this season of roll to cast is made by fans for fans and is not officially licensed material of white wolf entertainment Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time 
That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.